Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Again, we are glad that you are here this morning. I'm waiting for Addie to leave. That was little Addie. If you're visiting, that was little Addie up here, the girl that was singing. I got to tell you this this story because I, I don't think it would embarrass her, but I don't think she can. She's not paying attention. She's there. She goes. There she goes. I was in my office this past week, and I don't know. Forever, I have kept M and M's in my office, and kids through the years have. Jaleesa, did you used to get M and M's too? I mean, here she. Is. And the old, really, I was doing it way back then. I hear, here's a young adult, and she was getting M&Ms for me 100 years ago. And I'm still, still, well, no, that would mean you were really old, Jaleesa. That didn't come out right. But anyway, still doing it. And little Addie and Jaleesa's daughter, Josie, were here during the week last week. And I'm in my office, and Addie and Josie stick their head in the door Pastor, can we have M&M's? Now, I'm on the phone at that time. So I said, I said I'm on the phone. And, and they were real sweet. They both just, they, they left. They saw that I was busy. Well, a little while later, they stick their heads in the door. I'm not on the phone now. So I said, come on in, girls. Come get your, come get your M&M's. And they're, they're walking up to the little M&M dispenser I have there. And Addie's first. She's the big girl. Josie's behind her. And Addie goes up there. She says, Thank you, Pastor. She said, I told Josie a while ago we couldn't get M&M's then because Pastor can't do two things at once. (laughs) I kid you not. Those were her exact words. Pastor can't do two things at once. What are you nodding in agreement for, Sharon? (laughs) Is that why you say, pay attention to me, I'm talking to you? Okay. That's what Addie said. She nailed it. I mean, she was just as serious. She was just, she said, she's getting the image. She said, I told Josie, pastor can't do two things at once. <clears throat> Every single day that you're not with me, I think about you. I wonder what you're doing. I pray that you're safe well and happy. My love will follow you wherever you go, no matter how old you are and no matter how far you travel. Because I am your mom and you will always be my child. My love is forever. Signed, Mom. My personal opinion is one of the greatest pains known to anyone are the pains of a parent of a wayward child. I define a wayward child as one who rejects God and rejects mom and dad and then pursues a lifestyle that is often, quite frankly, selfish, immature, Reckless, 
and physically and emotionally potentially dangerous. Now, a parent who has a child like that can respond, quite frankly, with a wide range of emotions that can range anywhere from absolute hopelessness to anger, sadness, to callousness, or from regrets to remorse. And a parent like that would be one asking the question, is there help and is there hope for me? Because the pain is almost unbearable. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. You can find help and you can find hope. And it's in what I describe, or as many describe, as the most Uh, beloved parable in the Bible, the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal tells you a lot about the parable. Prodigal means reckless, wasteful, and sadly means foolish. So the story of the prodigal son, so beloved in the Bible, is the story of a reckless, wasteful, and foolish son. In Luke chapter 15, where we find this story, it is the story of what I believe has to be a broken-hearted dad over his son. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may be young, and you don't have an adult child, or you may be blessed and have adult children, but they are not wayward. Rather than thinking, therefore, this story isn't for you, as I mentioned a while ago, it, it is for you, because it is also the story of many Christians today that are prodigal. They're born again, they're saved, but they stray away from God. And as we look at this story this morning, while you may not have an adult child, understand that if you have strayed away from God or someone that you know has strayed away from God, understand that that prodigal can come home. But this morning, we're going to focus primarily on this father, this father's heartache, and this father's pain. But the good news is, it is a story of repentance. It is a story of reunion. One writer, in introducing the story of the prodigal son, wrote this. He said, I haven't lost any sheep, but I've scoured the neighborhood searching for our wandering poodle with my children in panic at the thought that she may be gone forever. And I have turned the house upside down looking for the diamond that had fallen out of my wife's engagement ring. Uh, We found the poodle, but sadly we didn't find the diamond. But what can compare, he asked, with the anguish of a parent's heart over a lost child? There's a horrible panic when an infant vanishes, he writes. A different but real panic when a grown child wanders morally or spiritually. The problem in the latter situation isn't that we don't know where they are or what they're doing, but that we do know where they are. And we have a very good suspicion of what they're doing. He concludes by saying, we know they are in a far country, not only wasting their money, but sadly wasting their lives. 
Perhaps it is only a parent in such pain who can fully, who can enter fully into the mood of this story. The story of the prodigal son. We begin in Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. And he said, talking about Christ, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance or his inheritance with riotous living. Verse number 14, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. There wasn't a lower job for a Jew than to feed swine. But this prodigal goes to his dad, says, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. A little while later, he says, I'm out of here. And of course, he starts making foolish decisions. Things go from bad to worse for that young man. And he finds himself having to find a job, and all that he could find was feeding pigs. It says in verse number 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. He found himself in a very deplorable set of circumstances. In verse number 17, and when he came to himself, he he woke up one day, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So this young man, he's, he blew his inheritance. He's feeding pigs. He's hungry. And he gets to thinking, you know, back on the farm, my dad's employees are living better than I am. And he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make things right. And I think he really does in this case. He really realizes that he has made a very sinful and foolish mistake. And he is truly repentant. He is truly humble. And then we read in verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father, who no doubt was looking down the road, saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. I mean, this young man got it right. He's not playing around. He's he's not making excuses But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. Verse number 23, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son uh, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Of that very story... 
the famous theologian John MacArthur wrote the following. He gives us a perspective, a real perspective on this story. In MacArthur's opinion, he said, this younger son is essentially saying, I wish you were dead. That's how he started off with his dad. So I could spend my inheritance. What a painful event for any parent to experience. Then, to add insult to injury, the son gathers everything his father gives him and moves as far away from his father as possible. It is easy to imagine the father's rejection, hurt, disappointment, grief of the loss of relationship, sadness, anger, all kinds of other emotions all mixed together. Thankfully, this story has a very happy ending. But as a pastor who's got to be honest with God's word, that doesn't mean every story of every prodigal will have a happy ending. I can think of a situation in in my family, a young man being raised, and he was my cousin, and uh, both his parents were blind. And he was callous enough to take advantage of that. He was that carnal and that wicked that he, as a young person, if you will, capitalized, took advantage of his parents' blindness. And I I don't want to paint a dark picture for those of you that have a wayward child, but it, it, it did not end well in that situation for that young man. But having said that, this story still will give you insight and information, help and hope, that gives you the best possible chance for that wayward child to come back to God and to come back to you. So let's look at this story this morning. A couple things real quick about the story, and then we'll get to some practical things. I want you to see, number one, that the father let him go. As our children grow from childhood to adulthood, there is this transition period. And we parents have to understand that. You know, Sharon and I have gone through that. You know, our children were little at home, and there was a time when you would send them to their room. And they become young adults, still at home, adolescents, and the dynamics change then. You don't spank them or send them to their room like you used to. You deal with them in a different way. And then when they become young adults, again, there's a change in the relationship. And sometimes at that point in time, you have to relinquish control. At some point in time, when there are young adults, you have to let them go. In this case, the father let him go. The younger said unto them, said to, the, to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And then we know that he leaves. You know, I think it's safe to assume that the father probably tried to reason with him. It doesn't say that, but I think it would be safe to assume but to no avail. And at the same time, there's no indication of arguing and fighting. There's no indication here that the father is making threats. You walk out that door, that's the last time you'll ever come back in here. A father frustrated, a father out of control. If we're going to use the father as an example, you don't see that. There's no recording of the father threatening the young man. If you walk out, don't you ever walk back in. You don't see that. What you simply see, as the story reveals, is the father let him go. With a grown child, sometimes you just have to let them go. 
One writer said the Jews despised the Gentiles and considered them dogs. This says a lot about the degree of depravity of this young man's heart and mind to wander so far away from his Jewish roots. And of course, in such a distant country, he would be less likely to find anyone who would hold him accountable for his loose living because the lascivious and moral lifestyle was the norm for most Gentile nations of the day. This young man wanted what was his so he could go be like them, the temptation of the lost world. And what we have to understand sometimes, folks, is rather than scream, rather than threaten, and we're talking about an adult child here, sometimes the example of the prodigal's father is you simply let them go. Then number two, and this gets even probably more challenging for us parents, the father did not rescue him from his problems. The father didn't go after him to rescue him. And when he had spent all, all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And the lesson here is the father didn't go bail him out of trouble. The father did let him suffer. It's instinctive, I think, among most of all of us, our parents, is we don't want our kids to suffer. We don't want our kids to go through trouble, and I think it's kind of instinctive that whenever we know that they're in trouble, we want to go to the rescue. And that might be our temptation, but that doesn't mean that it's always right, because sometimes if you're not careful, you become not a rescuer, but you become, and you don't intend it to be this way, but you become an enabler. And this father, if we look to the father as an example of one whose son came back, we see that he was not an enabler. And when God decides to paddle our children, we can't get in the way of the paddle. We can't tell God no, because God knows better than us. And when that young man was in the pig pen, in a sense, that was God paddling him, getting his attention, uh, making him realize that there are consequences to our decisions and to our actions. And the father did not rescue him from his problems. Uh, this is an interesting Quote, if they had a social gospel in the days of the prodigal son, somebody would have given him a bed and a sandwich and he would have never gone home. That's hard. But if you're going to look to the Bible for an example of how to deal with a wayward child, is there any better place to look than the story of the prodigal son? And as hard as it might be for us parents, we have to realize that sometimes with an adult child, you have to let them go. And number two, you cannot go to their rescue when they find themselves struggling. And then number three, we see this, though, that the father never lost hope. In verse number 20, and he arose and came to his father. Get this, but when he, this, the prodigal, was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This tells me that this father would be out working in the fields, overseeing his, his servants and doing the duties of what they did back then, and I think he was constantly glancing down the road with the hope that his son would come home. He looked because he had hope. And as long as God is on the throne, you have hope that that wayward child 
will come home because God is dealing with him. God loves that wayward child. And, and, and God will allow what is necessary in that child's life to, to try to reclaim that child. And as long as you can breathe, there is hope. Prodigal children do come home. I like this quote. Every parent is at some time the father of the unreturned prodigal with nothing to do but to keep his house open to hope. Which then brings us in the message this morning to the very practical aspect of it. Just some practical things that I have picked up personally through the years of dealing with people, uh, research I've done to be able to help you uh, this morning. Let me give you some things, a list of things. You might want to write them down. I would encourage you to write them down. Uh, Here are some things that you need to remember. Practical things this morning if you're dealing with the pain of a prodigal child. There's, there's what? I don't remember how many there are. There's 10 or 12. There's 10. 10 things this morning. Number one, don't be too embarrassed to ask for support and prayer. Don't be too embarrassed to ask for support and, <coughs> and prayer. The burden of a wayward child is real and maybe one of the greatest burdens anybody could ever bear in their life. And the Bible teaches us that two are better than one. The Bible teaches us that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. You may be tempted to be so embarrassed that you don't want to tell anybody. You don't want to share that with anybody. That doesn't mean that you necessarily need to tell everybody. But there ought to be some mature Christian friends, or Christian family that you can go to. It's good to talk to people, particularly who have experienced the same thing. And they show some maturity. They show some spiritual maturity. So to handle it properly, you need to understand that if you have a wayward son or daughter, don't be embarrassed. A, a, A mature Christian will not judge you. If they did, they wouldn't be mature. A mature Christian won't gossip about you because if if they were mature, they're they're not going to gossip. A mature Christian is going to feel a compliment that you have chosen to share something so personal with them. And they will, if they are indeed mature, they will give you good counsel. They'll give you good support because sometimes you just need to talk about it. You know, what's in your best interest is to have somebody that you can share your burden with, number one. Number two, don't blame yourself. Maybe it should have been better worded, don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. Truth of the matter is, there, there hasn't been in the history of the world the perfect parent. Now, there are some better than others, to be sure. But also, to be sure, there is not a perfect parent, every one of us can look back and how we raised our children. If we had it to do over again, we would do something different. We all make mistakes. But ultimately, <clears throat> with a, an adult child, which is what we're talking about this morning, they are going to answer. They are accountable. Not to say that we can't learn from our mistakes. Not to say that we can't help some young family by say, sharing with them, hey, 
you know, I look back and I, I didn't know the Bible when I was raising my children. And if I had it to do over again, based on what I know about God and God's word, here's, here's what I would do. But it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to do the person any good to blame yourself or to beat yourself up and just to go back and rehash everything. There, there's nothing beneficial. When there's water under the bridge, it, it's water under the bridge. And you can't go back and undo it. You need to be looking forward. When I deal with couples in, in, in marriage coaching, you know, we spend very little time talking about what happened before. You're rehashing what's happened before. It serves no beneficial purpose. No, we're, I focus on, okay, what do we need to do moving forward? And that's true with parents, too. It's, 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 a, it's a negative energy drain. To beat yourself up. Again, to reflect and say, boy, I really blew it here. Well, that's okay. But I'm talking about a parent that just gets all down in the dumps and, and grumbly because, you know, they're just constantly beating themselves up. That There's nothing good that comes from that. Number three, practical things. You need to know the difference between helping and enabling. You need to know the difference between helping and enabling. Let me give you five things that would indicate that you are, in all likelihood, enabling somebody. This is something you don't want to do. You enable when you make excuses for them. You do yourself nor them any good when there's a wayward child and you're just making excuses for them. You don't do them any good. You're not, help, you're not going to help them one bit get out of the situation. Number two, you enable when you give them money. They're struggling and you're just saying, okay, here, here's, 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 here's more money, more money. Number three, you enable them when you take over their responsibilities. When you take over, no, they have God-given responsibilities. They, they, the responsibilities that are theirs, they need to do it. Number four, you're an enabler when you tell lies to cover up their behavior. That's enabling. And number five, bailing them out of sticky situations. All five of those are considered by experts to be situations where you enable someone. You, you help them stay in that lifestyle. You don't want to do that. Number four, <clears throat> good sound advice here. Don't forget the rest of your family. Don't forget the rest of your family. You need to entrust your prodigal to the Lord. And you need to let him work on your wayward child. But you cannot be so overwhelmed with your wayward child that your children that perhaps are still at home are just, uh, they're just immersed in, in heartache and heartbreak or anger or despair or whatever it might be. You can trust God to deal with the wayward child. You can trust God to give you the strength to deal with the rest of your family, which leads us to number five, build a unified front with your spouse. Build a unified front with your spouse. When you and your spouse have a, wayward adult child it serves no purpose when you and that spouse then it brings pressure on you and you're arguing with each other you're fighting with each other 
a, a second relationship is about to be st- destroyed or t- damaged. Not only the wayward child, but the, the pressure is coming to bear on you and your spouse, and you're arguing over it. No, you, you go to God's Word, and, to, and God's Word will guide you. you. You look at the prodigal, and because maybe you and your, your wife, you and your husband, you know, uh, one wants to give him money and one doesn't. Or you go to God's Word, and it's settled. You, you both agree. we got a rule book to follow. You know, the principles of God's Word get, puts us on the same page, sometimes quite literally on the same page. And then secondly, make sure you don't spend all your time together just obsessed with the prodigal child. Make sure you and your spouse still have your time together. Your time where you can go out for a meal or just a day doing this or a day doing that. Recreational companionship, we call it, in in marriage coaching but you need to be unified, and you need to work to make sure that you're unified. Number six, you need to set some boundaries. Very unpopular in the culture in which we live. You know, one of the worst things somebody could be called would be judgmental. You know, the Bible calls it discernment. You need to be discerning. Prodigals can become rude, demanding, manipulative, and abusive. I mean, they're out of God's will, and they're not going to be happy. A prodigal can become rude, demanding, manipulative, and abusive. And some parents think that they have to put up with the bad behavior. You know, that we don't don't want to offend. We don't want to drive a wedge between us and them. The prodigal benefits the most from a parent who says, I love you, yes, but I'm not going to tolerate that in my house. I am not going to tolerate that attitude. I love you more than you can even imagine. I would tell you, this is just me, that I would not attend. If my child told me they were involved in a gay marriage, I love you, I'm not going. I would never accept that. I would never accept cohabitation. I would not let someone cohabitate in my home. I would not let somebody drink in my home, smoke in my home, chew in my home, whatever, you name it. Cursing in my home. No, things don't change because you are wayward. I love you, and the door is always open, and you can contact me 24-7 anytime you want, and I'll pick up the phone, I'll come to you, I'll do everything. But if you're going to ask me to change my values... You're going to ask me to violate God's rules for me and my family? I love you, but I can't do it. And they need to know that because they will test you. Is it real? Is it real with you? And the minute you start giving in, it ain't real anymore. That may be one of the hardest things. Your flesh may tell you, i got to give in. You know, I don't want to drive them away. I don't want to drive a wedge between me and them. But understand... Children when they're young and children when they're older will test your faith to see if if it is indeed real. And when you capitulate, you're saying it isn't. It isn't. Number seven, remember that God loves your child more than you do. Parents of prodigals feel helpless. That's why we have to lean on God and his grace. He constantly draws them to himself. He is working on them. Again, it's hard to... Realize, but if you think about it, you know it's true. As much as you love them, 
They are God's creation. God loves them. Number eight, stay faithful. It's a good testimony to your wayward child that you remain faithful to your church and to ministry and you keep up a, a joyful heart as best you can. In fact, I would say that's one of the most important things I'll say this morning is you've got a wayward child. Well, you may be discouraged. You may, in your mind, be embarrassed. You don't need to be because it happens. We know that. And you stay away from church. Again, that's not what your kids need to see. They need to see the joy of the Lord in your heart through good times and through bad times. It is so important to stay faithful. They need to see that your faith is real, that it's consequential. Number nine, two more. Let God grow you. Realize that through this, God is working on you as well. God, through this trial, will reveal strengths and weaknesses within you. Don't waste a bad experience. It's a bad experience when your adult child is wayward. It's a painful experience. Don't waste it. Use it. Let let God grow you. And then number ten, pray. Pray for your child. Pray for your child. Pray for wisdom. What to say and what not to say. Because it's different when they're adults. And you need wisdom. Pray for maybe the hardest one of all. Patience. Patience. We want to see them coming down the road today. Truth of the matter is, we don't know how long the prodigal was away. But we need patience. Their great need is to come to God. And when they get right with God, they'll be right with you if you're right with God. I like this last quote. We're done. No matter how many steps your child may have taken away from God, it still only takes one step to get back. The prodigal son came home. I am so thankful for this story. And there's so many ways you can preach this story. It has so many different applications. But I think it certainly applies to parents who suffer the loss of a wayward child. In this, you have, I think, very clear principles that should give you help and should give you hope as you pray for the return of that prodigal. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we stand, please. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.